0: This week's episode, Jared tries to stay awake, I murder some cliches, and we discuss why we should prioritize productivity over presence.
1: I'm Jared Nichols. And I'm Paul Tulan. And welcome to the best pandemic ever. Paul, here we are once again. We're live. We're live. We're live in our own little audience right here. <laughs> so perfect. Hey, so today, uh, today what we want to talk about is where we are right now as a result of this pandemic and really just step back and reflect to uh, the past several months and take a a high level look at how things have changed, how things have slowed down, questions and uh, activities and uh, just where we put our time and energy and really ask that question, do we really wanna rush back to the way things were before? Now, this isn't all about just trashing the past, but it is about taking a much bigger, deeper look at how we lived our lives, what we valued, what we thought was important. And today, Paul and I are going to talk and share some of our own personal experiences about what we've been able to do since the pandemic, what it's caused us to think about, also about uh, thinking about uh, things we hope do not come back that that have been put on pause because of this pandemic, but then also things that we hope do come back and things that we've been able to start doing that we hope continue going forward. And so we're going to look at this in three different categories and, you know, we may add a fourth, this is how Paul and I roll. We can come up with something on the fly here, but we want to look at this in, in the realm of work, family, and in a larger community. So Paul, talk to me about this pandemic, man. So,
0: yeah. So the big question is, do we want things to go back to the way they were? And, um, the answer is no and end of podcast thanks for tuning in you can find this podcast (laughs) it's the shortest podcast ever no we do not man like i was fond of saying when everybody was kind of jumping on the bandwagon of i don't know if if it was the the you know the new normal bandwagon or if it was you know just getting back to normal bandwagon but my response to that almost uh almost universally was hey man Let's not be in a rush to get back to normal because normal wasn't working out so great. Normal wasn't. Yeah, Yeah. that's right. I mean, and I think that, yeah, and I think that's, you know, and I think that is um, one of the things that I hope people are being um, awoken to. I hate to use that word because it has a, you know, has a certain awaken. you
1: used it in the ways. wrong yeah. tense. It's awakened yeah. too. Yeah, okay. Yeah, um, to totally so, edit out your grammar.
0: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> good luck, because <laughs> that'll leave us with about like 10 minutes worth of... You
1: know, right, Oh, that's awfully yeah. generous for yourself there, Paul. Man. Yeah, <laughs> Yep.
0: Yeah. So, um, yeah, so that's one of those things. I'm like, man, I, I hope... Yeah. Because I think I've talked about this before and how I'm starting to sense in and around the places that I operate, so my work, my community, not so much my family, I'm starting to sense that people are um, not excited, but starting to feel like they're going to be okay slipping back into old habits. And I get it, right? Because that's how we develop habits. Once comfort and security and convenience creep back into our lives, then we're just going to slip back to the way things were. Um, That concerns me. And so- I think yeah. I, if I could shout something from the rooftops, it would be make sure you're you know you make sure you're paying paying attention to the things that we ought to be learning, and instituting them or implementing somehow in, in your daily life, you know. And if, right. if you tackle this from the perspective of work, family, and community, man, for me, the biggest one right off the top. For those that may not know, I'm still an active duty Army officer. Um, I am not in the field every day. I know a lot of people don't really have an understanding of how, you know, my yeah. life kind of pans out, but it's at this point, it's pretty much an office job, right? So I'm part of right. a, you know, larger bureaucracy. So not too different from a lot of other folks. And man, I was in that same five day away, you know, five days a week grind. Um, we have a right. gate at the front of, of post. Well, there's several gates. It's the largest military post in the, in the world population wise. Fort Bragg, North Carolina, the Pearl of the Southeast. There it is, um, Pearl
1: of the Southeast. I'll tell you what,
0: <laughs> um, and uh, you know we have a bunch of gates. So I'd spend, I'd spend a measurable amount of time at the gate, which essentially is our version of traffic. Um, yeah. You know, so I'd sit there and and just be in that sort of rat race, and then I'd get to the office, and I would say five days a week, you know was not consumed with five days worth of work, um, right? It's, it's just not. And so yeah. when we so when the Army, the Department of Defense uh, implemented some mitigation measures, one of the things they did was they implemented something called uh, minimal essential manning. So if you're not really super important, you don't need to go to work. And you know, in the, in the military, we categorize things as like mission critical Uh, mission essential, and then mission enhancing. I mean, I'm mission enhancing on my best day, man. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) like, that's a good day. Like, I'm certainly never mission essential and and certainly not mission critical, but because I'm a deputy commander, you know, I was expected to to be on that list. But even with that, we went to like a three-day work week. So every Monday and Friday, we were kind of shut down. So I ended up in this repetitive pattern of these three-day work weeks. And here's what I discovered. And we could tie this into family and everything else, but It it was almost an immediate palpable decline or noticeable decline in the amount of meetings, emails, and just general bureaucratic office type noise that we had to deal with on a daily basis. Like that declined by literally like 50 to 75%. I mean, I don't really have hard data on that. That's just my anecdotal reflections on what it seemed like. But certainly, meetings dropped down to almost nothing um and we couldn't do them if we wanted to you know we had to do them virtually yep. so even when we had them not everybody was expected to be there and and subsequently what we discovered was an uptick in productivity by like 50% cuz all I ever did was go in there work on what needed to get done and then I got the hell out of there and that yeah. was not yeah. you know that's not how we operated and that's not how a lot of people operated and so i i yeah. i think what we were doing because um, my, my buddy and I talked about this and you and I have talked about this, is forever, we've been in a post-industrial age model of prioritizing mm-hmm. presence over productivity because presence on the assembly line equated to productivity. If you were on the assembly line, you could make 10 widgets in an hour. So if you were there for eight hours, you were making 80. If you were there that's for right. Hours, yeah. you know what I mean? But that's not, that's how, right, yeah. that's not how we work. That's not how we work. No, so.
1: It, it, yeah. So, you know, that's that's a whole can of worms that we definitely want to want to crack open is the idiocy of hourly wages. I mean, it's just it's an old school model. We we de- we've definitely talked about this many times. It's just the uh, incentivized towards the wrong thing. So this is the big incentive conversation. But I yeah, that's really what's what a lot of people are experiencing. What you're talking about is how we measure outcomes really, you know, or how we measure productivity, how we measure somebody's value in the organization. Now that can also ruffle a lot of feathers or say, well, everybody's valuable. No, okay, sure, you know, that's not what I'm talking about, but it's, we need to be rethinking um, uh, the, the role that people play in this 21st century economy for one, and then also rethinking, uh, you know, what what is, what is the purpose of being present in an office building, uh, what is the purpose? Is it just to make everybody at the top feel like? Uh, yeah, we, we, let you know we could dive into that one r- really close. This is an interesting one for me, Paul, and you know, so I loved hearing your story about this—the three-day work week instead of the five. Because I, I noticed this from a lot of other folks as well. Being somebody who works from home and has you know worked for myself my entire professional career, I I rarely ever take a day off, and that's you know. Cause my boss is a real jerk, <laughs> but it's, I really, you know, it's just, I love working. I do a lot of the work, but I'm constantly on the go. So your it's boss little, you is know, delightful. Not, oh, you know, I will let him know you said that. And I really appreciate it. He <laughs> really appreciates that. I know. I was but, talking uh, about your
0: wife. Oh, that. <laughs> I, just, I just assumed yeah. that you're your real boss.
1: <laughs> yeah. We all know the truth. Okay. Now everybody knows the truth. Mm-hmm. So, so this is really interesting, right? Because uh, I've noticed it, what's been noticeable for me is not just conversation, but it's the overall energy that's in the air, right? Now, again, this is going to be different for everybody, depending on where you are, where you live, your personal experience. But I know for you and I, we've talked about this many times before, uh, is that there seems to be a much, I don't know, oddly enough, in the midst of a global pandemic, um, there seems to be this uh, this break in the rush, right? You know, like you're you're doing intervals, or if you're working out, if you're you know doing a hard run, whatever it might be, and you're doing short little spurts, you know, where your heart rate is just super high, and then all of a sudden you stop for 30 seconds, a minute or so, and you're like, oh, that sense of relief. Like, maybe I can slow down. Maybe I can stop just a little bit long before it has to kick back up. I feel like we're in that. That might be a terrible analogy, but it feels like that's what we're in right now. In the beginning, when this all started to happen, I had conversations with my neighbors, and... They were, you know, they're like, man, I just can't work from home. I can't wait for stuff to get back to normal. Two weeks in, they're thinking, I don't know that I ever want to go back to an office again. Not saying that they don't want to, like, they still want to work for their company, but this is a big change. So I think that's one that a yeah, lot of
0: people. Yeah, let me, let me be clear about something. What we transitioned to, I wasn't, it wasn't like I was teleworking from home two days a week and going into the office three days a week, I wasn't mm. doing anything on Monday and Friday that had, that was work related. And I, and I wasn't really expected to, you know what I mean? It's not like I was jamming and I was, you know what I mean? And I was like, I was not, not. no, it was like, we're going to go to it. And you know, I, I had my phone if something came up, which, you know, there's no such thing as an email emergency. That's not a real thing. Um, and so I figured out that, you know, when I went in on those three days, I was completely focused on getting everything done that needed to get done. Yeah. Let's be clear about that too. It's pretty mundane stuff. It's a lot of you know bureaucratic, uh, a lot of bureaucratic mechanisms like paperwork and all that kind of stuff. Which you know we go down this road too. We've discovered are completely useless and pointless for the most part, right? A lot yeah. of that stuff, a lot of stuff that hasn't been getting done. My counter, my my counter to that is well, I guess then it doesn't really ever need to get done because it's not yeah. like it's affected anything anyway. So right. my but my point is, I was on a, a three day work week. And, and it was getting everything done that I needed to get done. here's the here's the problem as I one of the problems as I see it, is that if you have somebody, it, it's really hard to quantify productivity in a way that doesn't uh, that 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 doesn't encourage managers to try and get more out of people. And what, what I mean, but let me put that in an example because I'm not articulating okay. it well. So in other words, let's say I have a guy that you know is managing some system for me and I say okay look I don't care how long it takes you to get it done just get it done and if you're done you're done and so he comes in yeah. and it takes him about two hours a day to get it done right the next leap that is going to be made I believe um if 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 someone doesn't have the the right vision and and perspective is that they won't say great the guys getting it done in two hours it, you know mm. we're getting everything that we need out of them what they'll say is man, I give that guy six more hours worth of stuff to do. Right. And I, right. And I think, I think that's the, I think that's the tipping point that sends you off in the wrong direction. So I, and I well, don't know, honestly, Jared, I don't, I don't know how we make that shift from properly uh, properly is not a fair word, but from prioritizing presence over productivity, you know, and trying yeah. to get everything you can squeeze out of everybody.
1: Yeah, it really is. I mean, it's, it's something that has to change, uh, at a societal level, where we start to say, "Hey, our goal here is to get to the end," and we don't want to incentivize people to take longer than they need to, so that's a that's a bigger that's a bigger thing that needs to happen. Because, uh, but I but I believe that this is also the time because we're definitely not the only people having this conversation. No, a it's lot of, companies. A lot of companies,
0: yes, yeah, small companies, big companies, they, they can yeah. they can do
1: it, right? I mean, they have yeah, the their- our wages just ridiculous. It's uh, you know, or even as a as a salaried employee, you're still required to be on the job or working a certain number of hours a week. And it's just. Yeah. That's yeah, not just
0: productivity ridiculous. based either, you know. No, but, but here's the thing. Not. How do you measure productivity for some of these things? Like, uh, you know, I mean, I can tell you that in the government, I see a lot of people sitting around, you know, doing whatever the, you know, whatever the the version of twiddling their thumbs is. You know, there's a lot right. of offices with TVs in them that the news is always on. There's a lot, you know, there's, there's a lot of stuff like that. And it's essentially, right. you know, it's because they don't, they don't have anything to do because their no, work is yeah. done. So, yeah, their work is done,
1: but they have to sit around the office because that's how they get paid. Those are the expectations. Yeah. You know, so, we uh, have perceptions that need to change, right? We need yeah. to have a complete shift in the way that we view human productivity because uh, we're still, we're still measuring it the same way we did in the industrial revolution, which is just stupid. Um, but we have to do that for a number of reasons, not just because it's, it just needs to change and be contextually relevant, which it's not right now. But the other reason, too, is that um, when we continue to, uh, to operate this way, we're also propagating the system that has driven uh, that continued wedge in the wealth gap in our country, right? You know, we're seeing the vast majority of wealth is focused at the top 1% or 0.5%. There's, you know, it's really, really hot. the vast majority of that is continuing to grow, and it's all focused there. And this is this is a problem. The reason, you know, so the arguments around: well, do we increase the minimum wage? That's an hourly-based, you know, argument. We increase the minimum wage, the hourly wage, for time on the job. So we're if we can nip this one in the bud and really say, hey, we want to change the way that we pay people so that uh, there's greater equity. There's a greater focus on the outcome, Um, and we get out of all of these partisan and bureaucratic debates about how we uh, pay somebody by the hour, how do we calculate overtime, how we do all these things. We want to make sure we're taking care of our people. We just have to have a contextually relevant system that, number one, incentivizes towards the end goal, and then number two, compensates people for the outcome and not for, as you were saying, just being there, the presence, Right. So that's ultimately what needs to happen. Now, this is going to make a lot of people who are, uh, you know, uh, love to uh, move things around and figure out how we're going to do taxation and overtime compensation, all of the, you know, the people that love to do paperwork and really piss them off for sure. But we really need to simplify things because at the end of the day, real productivity increases when you have human beings that are happy, that are healthy, that are living whole lives. And I think that's one thing that that this pandemic has brought about is that we're not really living that way. Uh, we weren't really living that way, and the danger—and you've expressed this a lot in many ways—is that we may rush right back to that that system uh, and continue on down the road that got us here in the first place. Yeah,
0: I mean, how do you think we don't rush back to that? What do you think is the is the mechanism that prevents that?
1: Well, I, you know, again, you know, barring some uh, miracle that. Uh, the pandemic just disappears, which I do not believe for a second. In fact, as of this recording here, I saw uh, reports on North Carolina. We're now one of the hotspots. We saw a dramatic, like, double digit increase in uh, cases. So, you yeah, that's always wonderful. Arizona is already moving into emergency lockdown in their uh, or putting in emergency protocols for their well, hospitals. I mean, we have,
0: we have, this is one of the areas where we diverge a little bit because I think the, I think the data says that there are 774 hospitalizations in North Carolina, and for me, I always go back to the big, you know, to the, to the to the big picture, the big data picture of in a, you know, with the follow up of in a population of 10 million, right? So I don't know. I'm not, yeah. I, you know, we haven't really gone. We haven't really discussed our.
1: Well, we'll um, get there. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. And again, the one thing we do agree on is that uh, uh, the data changes every single day, and there's more. Yeah. Factors yes.
0: there. but, yeah. But we, we have a. You know, we have a future discussion about how we frame problems, but it's, you know, so much yeah. depends on the, on, 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 on good objective information. And in this case, it's really hard to get.
1: It really, yeah. Cause it's changing every day, but going back to what we're, you were asking yeah. the question, how do we get there? I mean, uh, with the reason I brought up this, uh, you know, the current situation, we've, we've started coming out of lockdown and moving into different phases. Some have completely gone back to, uh, you know, opening up everything. And what we're starting to see is signs that of what was predicted, which was like, look, there's, there's going to be a second wave, if not just this is the continuation of the first. And so we should expect that we're going to have to go back into lockdown again. All that being said, regardless of the data or anything like that, if this continues, we're going to have to go back in that direction. So what helps us to change the incentives is when we are forced to stop and we don't have an easy path back to the way things were. Because at the end of the day, uh, a virus is a virus and it's going to be with us until it runs its course or until a, a vaccine is created. We can't just say, well, we, we locked down for 60 days, so hopefully the virus is cool with that, you know? So whatever reasoning or protocols or uh, uh, ideas that were there before that forced us into that situation are certainly gonna be there again to push us back into that yeah, situation.
0: maybe, maybe. Because what might happen at that point is people might reflect on the situation over a longer period of time and say, in, in essence, I'm oversimplifying the perspective but they might say, yeah, you know what? Look, it's not really all that bad. We just got to get back to what we were doing. We'll take it and be more willing to take the risk. That's entirely feasible, don't you think?
1: Sure, yeah. But that's going to be something that will have to be decided on by, you know, governors and local governments. And we know how efficient they are. I mean, now, you know. All credit due. I mean, they, they did finally get off their butts and act as soon as this thing started to happen. Now, many will say they overreacted, but again, that's, I think that's for the history books to tell, you know, three, four, five years from now, we really have all the, you know, the data that we have and, and can uh, assess that. But the situation that we're in right now has forced us to slow down and stop for better or for worse. Mm -hmm. Some are having a really hard time. Absolutely. Others like us, you know, I talked to a friend in New York, um, And she was like, it's like a war zone. You know, when this thing first started happening, uh, you know, every hour of every day, just sirens blaring, people being rushed to the hospital, people in her own building being carried out on stretchers who were sick. Um, is she's, I said, this is a completely different experience than what we're having here in North Carolina. I can go out in my backyard. That's one thing that a lot of people I've heard. Well, I've been hearing over and over again, stories and reading stories about people that live in cities. And now they're completely rethinking whether or not they want to be in a tight urban environment. When you think just before this, there was a dramatic uh, rush towards the urban environments because people wanted to be closer so they could walk to their offices and everything else. And now that's thrown you know, this situation has caused people who have been in those environments to maybe question that. All right, so let's that's, right
0: well? that to me is yeah. that to me is is um is community stuff. But I want to keep I want to kind of finish I want to kind of finish out on work. Um, yeah, you know the yeah. thing we started talking out talking about at the beginning. Um, but, but that's and, how it
1: changes, right? Yeah. The the question I keep running off on a rabbit trail. I apologize. You know, that's how it changes. We have to be forced to be in a state of pause for long enough. Where we have to deal with the issue and really start digging in, because the longer we are in a state of of flux like this, and then we're we're forced to go back if we get put back into to a state of lockdown or whatever that might look like, everybody's asking the questions right now because um, you know we, we can't we can't continue on the way that we were, and I think a lot of people are finally saying, hey, maybe this hourly thing doesn't work as well. Hey, maybe maybe we need to relax our. Um, work from home policies, we are seeing an uptick in productivity. So why would we really want to decrease that right now?
0: Yeah, so I got to wonder, though, uh, like I said before, I wonder if the effect that you describe of this thing, you know, being protracted will have an effect of accelerating the positives that we're hoping to uh, extract from the situation, or accelerating people's desire to return to normal, because, you know, we're an we're an impatient species. You know, Um, I wonder if the longer it drags out, if the more impetus to get back to business as usual, if that will become exacerbated. I think that's possible, don't you?
1: Well, yeah, it can go either way. I mean, it really just depends on, I mean, so much is up in the air, obviously. Uh, I think for some industries, they're gonna make a very good argument. I can't think of which ones yet, but, uh, oh, sorry, excuse me. Yeah, that's right. We're just raw on this show. We will yawn. (laughs) I got really bored with this conversation. (laughs) That
0: that is not a good sign, man. That is not a good sign.
1: Oh, man. Uh, We
0: can't even entertain ourselves. Oh, Uh -oh.
1: I need some coffee. Yeah, Yeah. but I think there are some industries where you have to physically be there, right? I mean, you know, one that's been deemed as essential work. And I really think about these people a lot, especially when I've come down to see you at Fort Bragg. I go past two or three different uh, meat processing plants. And every time I've come down, as, you know, lately, there has been uh, the tents outside for people as they're coming through. They have to get checked, temperatures taken and whatnot before they get in there and go to work. You know, that's not, you can't work from home and work as a meat processor, right? So there are still jobs where you have to be on the job. Oh, you but
0: you can decentralize there. that. You know, I'm a big fan of local, you know, local sustainable um, sources well, and, you know, and and I've listened 100%. to, yeah, I've got, I've got some, you know, I've got a lot of confidence and faith and, in, you know, sustainability godfathers like Joel Salatin and, um, and uh, the idea of the processing plants being a bottleneck. But anyway, I mean, I'm just picking on your example, but I get your point. No, no,
1: I, no. And I'm, I'm completely with you. I do think we're going to move more into a local uh, type of economy. That's something that certainly, uh, you know, that works into the, into the community conversation. So, so that's my thinking about work is that uh, right now we're just in a state of when we're able to question and ask a lot of things, a lot of questions we haven't asked before. Um, what do we really want going forward? Um, that's the big one that
0: uh, yeah, for me, uh, again, I think it's all about prioritizing you know pro- prioritizing productivity over presence. And it's tricky, man, because in you know in in a bureaucracy and many organizations, despite the fact that they think they're not are actually bureaucracies, everybody likes to thumb their nose at the government as the largest one. It probably is, but it's not <laughs> but it's not the only one, right? Um, right? Of course you know measuring productivity is hard. Do you know what I mean? It's it's not an easy thing to to wrap your head around or to be able to say, this is the thing that I need accomplished. And as long as it's accomplished, I don't care if you're here. I mean, that's a that is a Herculean leap. I mean, that's a huge leap to make. Um, Maybe, you know, too optimistic or too hopeful to think that it would would take hold in the government. Although I will tell you this. in the original DODI, which is a defense, Department of Defense instruction, so when, they, when the Department of Defense wants to tell everybody, you know, c- kind of create a policy at their level, it's generally called a, a DODI. Um, some policy expert will tell me the nuances of what why I was wrong about how I characterize that, but nevertheless. <laughs> so it's this big, you know, it's this instruction to all the DOD. I swear... I think the DODI about teleworking was written in, like, the early 2000s. I, I want to say it was, like, 2002. Um, and it said that far back that the DOD's policy is to maximize teleworking to the greatest extent possible. That was, like, almost mm. 20 years ago, man. So <laughs> the potential is definitely there. But I think the challenge remains, how do you figure out how to measure productivity is, is someone achieving the thing that they were supposed to achieve. Um, and, and one of the, one of the thought you just made me think about is um, some, you know, talking about how some people, some, some jobs ha- can't be done remotely. Um, right. I'll tell you, there's another thing too. I think there is a pretty substantial population of folks that depend on work for their social and human interaction. Like, Yeah. You know what I mean? Like like that's actually the place where they go to make connections with other people. It has a huge social and psychological component that they might not necessarily identify, but they kind of have to be there because they might not have it elsewhere in their lives. And that's a thing, too. Like you don't want to just just it's not binary. It's not okay. Everybody can work from home or, you know, there's many considerations to it. And that's probably one of them.
1: Well, yeah, and I think that's a good segue into the community discussion, right? Yeah. I mean, we've we've danced around community here again because all of these things flow in and out of each other. But yeah, we that is one thing that uh, is important for people is having that social interaction. Oh yeah, uh, you know, the fear is, is that well, if we're all you know quarantined or working from home, then you know we're not going to see anybody anymore, or we're not gonna we're not gonna have a social life. But again, I always. you know, I want to look and say, well, how much of a social life did you have before outside of work? And, uh, you you know, at work, you have to be with those people because that's, those are your coworkers. So I think there's, you know, if, if we were able to move this, uh, this incentive structure away from just being physically present on a job where you're not really being productive to, Hey, I'm more interested in seeing a whole healthy person who can get two hours of amazing work done. And I'm not paying them for eight to 10 hours. But instead, they're incentivized, maybe bonus, whatever it is to uh, as a part of a team that's working towards a very clear and specific end goal. Then, uh, you know, that person has more time and freedom to actually create a social life outside of work.
0: Yeah, I think you said
1: I think I think
0: think what you said just a second ago was that, you know, having a social life, you know, was important. And I'm like, no, it's the most important. Like, it's the reason we exist, kind of is to be around other people. Right. I mean, and, and, oh dude. And there is, there is such an unbelievable illusion of social connectivity that we are suffering under now that I'm hoping that being quarantined, being separated from other people has created a thirst amongst Mm -hmm. people to seek out that human connectivity so that you know anything yeah. that we do to enhance our you know or to to capitalize on on virtual interaction or technology uh, gives us the freedom like you just said to cr- to enhance our actual relationships with other people like exactly that, right? yeah that, and so oh yeah. uh, man I, I don't know if we talked about this before or not but you know when schools started talking. So in North Carolina, uh, you might not have seen it. It might have been Cumberland County only, um, but they're now talking about uh, uh, approving a virtual classroom option, which I like. Meaning mm. that you can opt to do virtual learning if you want, if it works better for you, whatever. That that's that's good. I like again. You know, I'm all about anything that's non-binary. You know, there are many, many, right. many solutions to a lot of things, right? Um, so you know they're they're giving people that option, but you know some schools have been talking about how they're you know they're definitely not going back in the fall, and I'm like okay, if 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 what you're saying is we're not going to you know we're going to continue to capitalize on the efficiency of the technology that we have discovered dot 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 so that our students can be more involved in the other activities that enhances their connectivity and their you know with others and their humanity. That's generally right. not what they're saying, though, you know. And it's not like so that we can maximize, you know, campus life. So we can maximize intramural no. activities. Like, yeah,
1: it's, it's it's so they can get back to that ridiculous testing system that, on a global scale, we're trying to compete with China and other, you know, like in math scores. It really, I mean, that's a real base way of of whittling it down. But that's what is in why we're doing this. Oh, because we need to see how are our, uh, you know, these standardized tested tests, and how are we. Uh, um, playing to the average, essentially, essentially this is the problem. And so a lot of these solutions are based on trying to fit, uh, the old model, make the old model fit into this new reality and teachers and administrators alike. I've been watching and listening to folks talk about this interesting article or not article, but a interview I heard a couple weeks ago, I think with, um, he's a superintendent of the New York of the, uh, I it was New York city schools. I have to, I have to double check on that we really need to do our fact checking here before our calls. <laughs> but, but this thing was really interesting because he was, he was saying the exact same thing about, no, why would we try to return to a system that um, was not good for all of our students when we're clearly seeing some students thriving in this type of environment, we need to adjust to that. And we need to get away from these ridiculous standardized tests. And I mean, just really blowing the whole thing up. Uh, Cause yeah, in North Carolina, you know, I've, they've been talking about, well, we're going to create some, um, some of these socially distance put in some socially distanced uh, equipment you know they've talking about all kinds of crazy ideas that have been thrown out there i don't think they're serious about any of them uh, but they are seriously discussing them like uh, you know Which big glass can you know these things that separate people from their each other's desks and i thought that's just ridiculous use that money and come um, up with a much better solution and let's not send our kids to school for eight hours a day because first of all they don't need to be in there that long so yeah we, we really do need to be rethinking that um I mean it's just the the whole system is just laid bare right now on all, so many fronts right
0: yeah i mean again you know so to go back to to this to this sense of community and of being around each other and you know we uh so there's a there's a lady down the road who um who has suffered from cancer for you know a couple of years and she's she's better now it's in remission i think but um you know, went through some some tough times, couldn't get out of the house and stuff. And so her yard just became an absolute disaster area. You know, everything was yeah. overgrown. And the, her above ground pool just kind of collapsed and fell into disrepair. And her garden was totally overgrown. So on Saturday, an army of us in the neighborhood uh, gathered, you know, we kind of planned it out, talked to her, obviously, see what she what we could do. And, what could, and we went down there and we descended on it like ants on a, you know, on an apple core. And, uh, and we just, we went to town and it was like, you know, I was kind of, I don't know if I told you or I was telling somebody else, you know, it was like an Amish barn raising man. I mean, we went all walking down there with all our tools and then we all got together at noontime for, you know, big, you know, big neighborhood lunch. I mean, our, you know how our neighborhood is. It's like really, really, oh, yeah. that. um, but you know, I mean, that is what I'd like to think that people will be really desperate for that kind of connection since when, after they've been kind of cooped up in their house for a while again i yeah i don't you know i only have the experience that i have here in, in our own neighborhood and we would have done that anyway it wasn't just because we've been cooped up but i'd like to think that others would would start to do the same thing and you know one of the things are they open in restaurants in charlotte yet like to sit down
1: uh i think outdoor seating
0: yeah i don't know what it is here i think yeah. they've kind of sort of opened some stuff up i think they can if they want you know, with space and all this other kind of stuff. But I'd like to think that one of the things that we'll see is that when people have the opportunity to actually get together, they actually get together. It's not like a bunch of people sitting around a table looking at their phone or, you know, completely not dialed into one another. They'll, like, appreciate the human connection and the opportunity to, to do that. I mean, I guess that's all that yeah. might be, you know, that might fall into the auspices of of what we're talking about for family or community community. Um, but just, you know, just in general, I think the idea of people helping one another out ought to be the the positive from a community perspective that comes out of this thing.
1: No, I, I, I'm with you there, man. I mean, I think there's there's a lot of little things, you know, each of us as individuals would hope to see would change. I think that uh, on a big picture around community is that we just get to know our neighbors more. We yeah. We're we forced to ironically, and again, depending on where you live, but um, we've uh, we've had a very different experience here in North Carolina, just like you guys in North Carolina, right, in Fayetteville. Yeah. So, you know, you and Fayetteville, us in Charlotte. Again, from people I've talked to that live in New York City, um, we get to know our neighbors. Uh, a number of them would say we already knew our neighbors, but for us, a lot of us are just... You know we're we're working so much and we uh, maybe say hi to our neighbors periodically, but we're getting to know them in a better way, Um, even if it's from a distance here, because we all know that we're in the same spot, we're in the same location, going through very similar uh, experiences, and when we're not all being distracted by all the you know for our kids having to rush them to every single sporting event uh, that they need to be participating in or music lessons or whatever crazy which is my own little soapbox. I just think it's nuts the amount of time and energy that is dumped into kids rushing them from one activity to the next when most of them don't even want to be doing it. That's another conversation. But I'm noticing a lot of families are, are really enjoying that time together because they don't have that option to go and uh, put their kids in different activities or um, make sure that they're you know involved in sports, which is sports is great. Again, when we were younger, Paul, obviously we weren't being shuttled around the, the country you know, to be involved in uh, youth league sports like they are today. It just, I mean, maybe we're unique in that. I don't think so. But the point is. No, is my friend in
0: Kentucky said the same thing. She's an OBGYN. Her husband's a cardiologist and she posted something on, on, on Facebook. It was, it was, I, I ought to go back and just read it on the podcast because it articulated that very same thing. She was like, I don't want to go back to the, you know, to running to every soccer game to, you know, traveling from here to here. I don't think it's unique to us at all.
1: No, no. It's it's I thought it was insane before. Um I think a lot of people are realizing, "Hey, why are we doing this?" Well, because of great marketing. And you know, some a certain kind of idea or narrative that you need to get your kids involved in all of this stuff so they become well-rounded human beings and that they succeed in life and get into a good school. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just come on. Let's let's stop for a second and and rethink that. What do you really want as a parent as a family? Uh, you know, I feel like we have this opportunity right now. We're watching our kids. We're seeing them really be kids at all levels, right? Even yours who are much older, you know, I mean, they're, you're seeing things in them that, you know, and getting to spend time with them in ways that you didn't before. Oh, hundred percent. So, yeah. You know, that's this, it all comes back to this, Paul, uh, the common theme in conversations, things that you talk about all the time is that our goal should be as humans, to become better humans, but in order to become better humans, we have to have a collective, or at least closely identifiable definition of what that means. Does it mean that you make lots of money? Nobody really thinks like, oh yeah, that's that's the ultimate goal—make lots of money, be all you know miserable, make so much money that nobody wants to be around you or that you have to have bodyguards because everybody wants something from you. I mean, just you know, no. It's what's the ultimate goal? What's the definition of what does it mean to be a whole, healthy? Um, and better human. And I think yeah. this, this pandemic is giving us the opportunity to really evaluate that, whether we articulate that way or not.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think, I think that one of the things I, I, I think ought to be, I think one of the things that I believe is that what makes a complete human is, um, is hardship and, and suffering and overcoming it. Right. No. Um, And, you know, I mean, that's my my personal experience, all the things that I, you know, becoming a Green Beret that, you know, that took a fair amount of hardship and suffering that Mm -hmm. had to be overcome to achieve that. You know, I mean, yeah, it's the cliche is a cliche for a reason. Right. The, you know, the idea that nothing worth having, nothing easy. What is it? God, I don't even remember the cliche, but essentially the essence of it is, you know, nothing that's everything that's worth having is hard. to. What is it? I can't. I know. Yeah. 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 Um, but anyway, um, but you know, I, I think that's I think that's been kind of I think that's been kind of lost on us for a while. You know, things yeah. have been pretty easy um, and I, I, I hopefully getting, you know, getting socked in the in the gut a little bit from this experience will wake people up to the idea that, you know, a little bit of hardship, a little bit of suffering is actually probably is, is a good thing. I mean, that's what makes a quality person, yeah. I think.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's what forces you to grow and to adapt. So I'm with you there. So, yeah, you know, we talked about work, we talked about community. We've talked, we've touched on family. Um, you know, family and community are, are very tied together because a lot of yeah. people in the community are family, mm-hmm. but uh, you know, overall, Paul, what is, what is the one thing for you that you hope remains that you've already started to see change that you hope continues uh, as you, you know, when we do come out of all of this, when there is the option to, go back to what we did or to uh, continue moving forward in a new way? What's the one thing you you hope sticks around?
0: I hope that we use the technology that we've now adapted to to be more efficient so that we can have more time to do things that really matter. And for me, you know, I characterized it at the beginning as not wanting to do the five day work week anymore, but that's obviously you know, a very blase way of of putting it, but I want to have time to do the things that I know have always known really matter. Do you know what I mean? So spending time with my boys and uh, teaching them how to use tools and spending, you know, I'm able to go on walks with my wife in the morning and the evening. Now, do you know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Like there's been more than one time and I'm like, Oh, I don't need to rush to get in there. Yeah. I'll go with you walk the dogs this morning. Um, and that's what I, that's, that's for me is, is the, the one thing I want to make sure that we continue to give ourselves the time, um, to do the things that really matter.
1: I love it. Yeah. How about you? I, uh, yeah. hundred percent agree with you there. Um, I, you, the
0: thing for you is whatever, whatever you can do to spend more time with me will obviously enhance your existence as a human. <laughs> I mean, I think.
1: Yeah, but I had this really eloquent way of saying it, and you totally just ruined it, Paul. So,
0: <laughs> so
1: whatever I can do right. to spend more time with Paul. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Now, what's your thing?
1: Thing, yeah the, well, very similar to you. What I hope remains is that we just, that um, when it comes to uh, how we move forward, that we keep our eye on the local economy, the local community, that we become much more localized in the way that we make decisions. For so long, we've been disconnected from what's right in front of our face because we've been focusing on things at a global level or outside of uh, you know, our immediate view. And now we've been forced to question a number of things, like our supply chains, our economy, the structures that we have in place, efficiencies, and realizing that although there's wonderful things about that, there's a lot of vulnerability there, as we've seen. And it's shining a light on the need to have a stronger local infrastructure and to take care of our community in a much more genuine and, uh, meaningful way. One where we have a a greater sense of ownership and a greater sense of, um, of community really. And so that's the thing that I hope that that we don't rush. I like that
0: that one better. Stay lucky to get more things (laughs) localized. I love that. Yeah, Yeah.
1: You know, I'm a big fan. Oh yeah. Yeah, definitely. So, so yeah, that's, that's, that's where I'm at, man. Um, that's, that's what I'm hoping, hoping happens. And we'll continue to address these and see, uh, see what is playing out over the next several months. But yeah, this, uh, this is really why we, uh, you know, why this, uh, situation has, has, um, uh, has inspired us to create this podcast, which is why I get to spend more time with you. So mm-hmm. yeah, I guess that, that's right. I guess it's been, revealed. you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. Oh man. Well, that's it, everybody. Uh, Paul, as always good to talk with you. And, uh, for anyone listening here, if you have not subscribed to the show, please do that. And please pass this along to your friends and to your family, because it will absolutely be the most wonderful gift that you can give them this year. Right, Paul? Yeah, absolutely. And it's free. Yeah, totally free for now. So (laughs) (laughs) totally free. But uh, yeah, you can listen to us wherever you get your podcast, download the show, leave us a comment in the comments on the show, and we will read those and certainly reply. And of course, thanks for listening. Stay tuned for our show next week.